So this story of the prodigal son is one of the most popular and familiar stories in all of sacred scripture. I think that most Christians and even many non-Christians can tell the story of the prodigal son with enough detail to convey the, the important parts, the important meaning to another person. And this is a very important part of the scriptures because it gives us insight into God's mercy. Now, we remember that God is a mystery, and God is love, God is mercy itself. So we're not able to really fully comprehend God's unfathomable love or mercy. But this illustration of the prodigal son certainly helps us. And so by paying very close attention to these important details in the gospel, we will better know and understand and desire his mercy. We remember this is from the Gospel of Luke, and Luke, by trade, his vocation, he's a physician, so he's more educated than all the other disciples, and he writes very well. He can write very Greek very well, and so he's very precise in his details. In fact, you'll see in the healing accounts and some of the other stories in the Gospel of Luke, there's more details there because he's, he's such an excellent writer. And he provides many details, especially in this particular gospel. And so it's important for us to pay attention to those details. The first thing we can come to know is that God, God's mercy provides for our every need. The young man, the young son, had everything that he needed. He didn't have anything, everything that he wanted, but he had everything that he needed. And God provides for our every need. We can also come to know that God's mercy allows us to leave. People often ask the question, why does evil exist in this world? Why does God allow uh, sin to exist in this world? And the and short answer is because if God did not allow evil to exist, then we'd all be robots. But God has given us will. God has given us free will to either love or to not love. And in that, in that decision, we can actually turn away from God. You know, nobody can force you to, to love them unconditionally and perfectly. Somebody who is being forced to love a person cannot possibly love that person completely. And in a similar way, our free will allows us to walk away from God, much like the young son walked away from his father. We, are, we can also come to know through the details in this gospel that God's mercy waits patiently for us. The father had been waiting for his son. And God's mercy watches constantly for our return. One of the small details, but important details in this gospel is that while the son was still a long ways off, the father caught sight of him. That means the father was watching for him. The father was waiting for him. The father wasn't just going about his business as if his son was never going to come back again. He was always waiting for his return and watching carefully and diligently for that. And in a similar way, God is, he watches for us to return. We can also come to know that God's mercy moves towards us. The father in the story, the prodigal son, he doesn't wait for the son to come up, but he runs out to greet his son in that field. And in a similar way, God's mercy moves towards us. When we choose to repent, 
when we choose to turn and take that first step back to God, God's mercy moves quickly towards us. We also come to know that God's mercy is compassionate. Jesus mentions that word in the gospel. But also we can see that the father of the young son, when he, when he meets his son, he doesn't start beating him. He doesn't say, where have you been? He doesn't say, how could you have done this? He didn't say, I told you so. But he's very compassionate towards his youngest son. We also know that God's mercy, it's an intimate encounter with us. The father goes and he embraces and he kisses his son in welcoming him back. St. Teresa of Avila, writing in one of her books, talks about the, her intimate encounters with our Lord. And at one point, she's describing a kiss with, with God. And I think it's a reference to Holy Communion, when she's receiving Holy Communion. So that intimacy that God desires to have with us. So God's mercy is in, it's intimate. And God's mercy, it clothes us, not just with physical garments, as the Father did for his Son in the Gospel, but God clothes us with love beyond all compare. The clothes which God clothes us with will heal us and restore that human dignity which was lost by original sin and personal sin. And God celebrates in our rebirth. The father in the story of the prodigal son, he's celebrating, he's throwing a party. He says, my son was dead and now he's, he's alive again. And that father is rejoicing in his son's rebirth. And God the Father rejoices also in our repentance and our rebirth. When we say yes to salvation, God is rejoicing. And he gives a banquet in the honor. The father gives a banquet in honor of his son. And God is giving us a banquet too. More often than not, when Jesus is describing heaven in the scriptures, in the gospels, he's using the image of a wedding feast or a wedding banquet. So God is, is uh, sincerely rejoicing when we return by giving us the wedding feast, which is the Holy Mass. So we can learn a lot. We can learn quite a lot just by paying very close attention to the details of the story of the prodigal son. We can also learn a lot, I think, through the son, the younger son, uh, the prodigal son. And from his perspective, we can learn about you know, how we are to receive mercy. And the question is, how do I receive gifts from God? Am I truly thankful for what God has given to me? He's provided for my needs, or am I, am I always wanting more? Do I have an insatiable desire or urge for material things? And I have to ask questions about stewardship, not just of my money, but also my time and my talent as well. Do I squander these things? Do I waste these things which God has entrusted to me. How do I use these gifts, these talents, these possessions, these opportunities, which God has given to me? Do I use them to squander them on myself, like the prodigal son? Or am I using them to bring great glory to God's kingdom? We also see in the, in the prodigal son story that the son didn't really think about returning back to his father until things are getting pretty bad and things are really bad and if you under in order to to understand just how bad things have gotten we have to understand something about jewish culture culture and their mindset and their society at this time first of all 
Jesus, he's telling this story, this, this uh, story of the prodigal son, and the people are already, you know, from the very beginning, they're, they're just gasping. They're like, how could this happen? First of all, the young son, he's asking for his inheritance before his father even dies. The inheritance, especially the land given to, to a child, is something, it was sacred. And so for a son to, to go to his father and say, give me my inheritance, it's like saying, Father, you're dead to me. You are dead to me already. So that was shocking to the people. And the people are saying, this is pretty bad. This, this, this kid's pretty rotten. Can't get much worse than this. Well, it does get worse. It does get worse. He takes his money. As we heard from the, from the older son, the, the, the prodigal son, he spends all this money on prostitutes. And this was, this was horrendous in the eyes of the people. Because God, how many times has God in the Old Testament used the image of a prostitute to, to talk about how the people of God had walked away and turned away from, from him, from his law, from his love, from his commandments? So using this analogy, using this description, the people are saying, oh my gosh, I didn't think it could get worse, but it just did. This is, this is as bad as it could possibly get. It's as bad as it could possibly get. But no, it gets worse. Not only does he write off his family and his father, saying, give me my inheritance now before you die. Not only is he spending that, that money on prostitutes, but then he goes to work for a pig farmer. And he's not only working for the pig farmer, but he's eating with the pigs. Now, this may sound pretty gross right now, but it's nothing compared to what it was in Jewish society 2,000 years ago. Pigs were very unclean animals, very unclean. And just to give you some idea, just how they, how they thought of pigs at the time. In 1999, I was with the peacekeepers in the Sinai Peninsula, and um, the Fijians were going to have this big pig, pig roast. So the, vet, the veterinarian officer and I went up to Israel, up near the Golan Heights, near, near the Syrian border. And our job was to go watch them um, kill and slaughter this pig so we knew it was going to be safe for the uh, peacekeepers to eat. So we get up there. We're talking to this, to this uh, man who's raising these pigs. And he tells us that his farm is one of only three in all of Israel. And he said, it's Israeli law. Even today, it's in secular Jewish society. And trust me, it is very secular. Today, in, in secular Jewish society, pigs are still not allowed to touch the soil in Israel. The pigs are raised on concrete slabs. Even today, in secular society. So back then, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus says this, this kid, he's, he's got his inheritance, he's spending it on prostitutes, and he's eating with pigs, the people are about ready to fall over and die from shock. It can't get any worse. And it's at that point that the son says, you know what? I'm going to return back to my father. And he does. You know, like him, sometimes we wait until things get pretty ugly, pretty messy, pretty bad before we turn back to God. And God doesn't want us to wait that long. He wants us to turn back now. We're not going to be chastised. We're not going to be beaten. We're going to receive the royal treatment. It's like the prodigal son was. 
So we can learn something from the father, we can learn something from the younger son, the prodigal son, we can also learn something, I think, from the older son, from his perspective. You know, he, this guy, he was a good citizen. He did what he's supposed to do. He had a job, he's paying his taxes, you know, he's following the rules. And it seems that his brother, who's just a, a jerk, does whatever he wants, and he gets rewarded. And the older son is like, oh, I'm, I'm doing everything you're asking me to do. Why are you rewarding him? And he becomes angry, he becomes jealous when his brother returns home. The question is, do I become angry and jealous when it seems that people who are just messing up and doing their own thing, it seems that maybe God is rewarding them somehow. Am I jealous? Do I have resentment or, or bitterness over that? We should truly rejoice when others receive God's mercy. Truly. Because we've been in both positions, both the younger son and the older son. And when we're in the position of the older son, sometimes it's good for us to remember that we were once the younger son. We were, we were, the, we were the one messing up and sinning, and God showed great compassionate, tender mercy and care, great unconditional love for us. So we can learn from the older son as well. So we learn a lot from this, from this story of the prodigal son. We learn that God's mercy is unconditional, it's patient, it's waiting, it's ever watching, it's always moving towards us, it's compassionate, it's intimate, and it's celebrating. But in order to receive this great mercy, we must first make that decision and to turn back towards God. Praise be Jesus Christ.